welcome to One Grump or Two, a podcast where two mates chat about music, film, TV, and anything else that's tickled their fancy that week. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to episode seven of One Grump or Two. How have you been this week, Phil? I'm good, thanks. How are you? It's uh, it's another Wednesday evening in uh, Grumpy Studios. Um, hopefully we're not feeling too grumpy. I'm actually feeling quite chipper. It, it's oh. an unusual feeling. I think, it, <laughs> I think it's called happy, but I'm not sure. The oh, Grumpasaurus in me has, has, has maybe had yeah. a little bit of a sit down. Is it a little bit funny? The feeling it's feeling inside. inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh dear me! You, know, you you set them up. I'll knock them out of the park. Home run. Uh, yeah. So have you um, have you recovered from last week's episode? I am excited for this episode. Okay. Because we are continuing the magical mystery tour. Oh. Here till Wednesday. Try the fish. Tip your waitress. Um, <laughs> We are continuing our magical mystery tour into the world of Liverpool and the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. And there is a lot more of interest to Beatles fans and non-Beatles fans as, um, as yeah, we continue that conversation from last week. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And I, th- I think the, the thing with David is um, his breadth of knowledge was staggering. You know, I, yeah. I, know, I know he's... He spent a lot of time, many, many years looking into the subject and obviously has a, a passion for it, but his knowledge was absolutely amazing. And, and I love the way that he could take it into the present day. And I think that comes out in the in the second part that's coming up now. Yeah. I <clears throat> There's a lot more coming. It's really interesting. Dear listener, I suggest you get your earlugs around this one and enjoy. Yes, get a get a coffee, put one's feet up, and have a really, really good time. We'll see you later. Well, I've got I've got a, I've got two questions leading from Ooh, this because you've planted you've planted a very a very nice seed there. Um, <clears throat> question one. <laughs> Juan, who's Juan? Juan. Question why are we, Juan. Why are we questioning Juan? What's he done? It's when he was in Spain. He's been a, <laughs> he's been a very naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> Too much of the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. Just two questions. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Where'd you come from? And what time do you get here? Three questions. Just three questions. I've got two questions. Where do you come from? Where do you go? And who is Cotton Eye Joe? So three. Three. <laughs> I mean, if it hadn't been for Cotton Eye Joe, to be fair, <laughs> I'd have been married a long time oh, ago. Dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you come from? Where did he go? I don't know. Where'd you come from? You can't lie to your wife, you know. <laughs> come from Manchester. Come on. Come on, Dan. Be professional. Come on. Come on. Go. My questions for you are these two. <laughs> <laughs> Question one would be, you've got that level that they've got to already. Then fast forward a little bit. They go to America. Would they have made it if it wasn't for the assassination of JFK? Oh, brilliant question, yeah. And the second question, I suddenly forgotten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Through all the, the merriment. Um, so we'll go with that one first, and I'll try and remember the second question. Okay. It's a question I've asked many, many times of my American cousins. <clears throat> so what we know is that 9th of February 1961, the Beatles make their debut at the Cavern Club. Mm-hmm. Exactly three years later to the day, they appear before 73 million people on the Ed Sullivan Show, 9th of February mm-hmm. 1964. Okay, yep. what happens in between? And lots. Now, one of the other things, because I, I don't just write, I've got a YouTube channel uh, called Bright Moon Liverpool, and we concentrate on the early history of the Beatles. And because we've just been past the anniversary, I did a special on how did the Beatles get onto Ed Sullivan. Now, I know you've seen that, hence the reason you, you've set me up for the question. Thanks, I appreciate that. <clears throat> so, if you were in, if you lived in Dallas, like a very good friend of mine, um, 
he would say yes. He he and his family and neighbours were traumatised by the assassination of Kennedy. I think he was he was eleven or twelve at the time, so he's still at school. And it had happened on their doorstep; they were dramatically affected by it. Wow. If you get beyond that, firstly, everybody else I've spoken to says, "No, it didn't make a difference." What I've then, with the research, realising is there's lots of little things happened that led up to the Ed Sullivan appearance. Now, the first one is. The Beatles do their first foreign tour, which is to Sweden, in October of 63. When they land back at Heathrow, there's about 1,500 fans to greet them, screaming and all that kind of stuff. And walking through the airport is Mr. Ed Sullivan. He says, what's all that about? That's for a group called the Beatles. Who are they? Da, da, da. Right, remember that name. So he's seen the impact of the Beatles. Yeah. Then there's another series of events. So there's a feature, I think it was on CBS News, on Beatlemania, which was around uh, December of 63. There's then a Jack Parr show, a variety show, um, and he did a little feature beginning of January 64, and he actually showed a bit of the Beatles performance, She Loves You, which he shouldn't have done, but he did. <laughs> so there's lots of these little things happening. And then there's a girl called Marsha Albert who had heard the song, I Want to Hold Your Hand. She terrorises a local radio station, says, you've got to play this song. <laughs> so she gets invited in. She introduces the song and they play it. Switchboard is bombarded by request. What's this? They play it over and over. This then spreads. And so by just after Christmas, 63, Capitol Records, who hadn't really been interested in promoting the Beatles, suddenly think, yeah. all right, emergency pressing of a million copies. So the song starts to sell. So you've got that, you've got the Jack Parr show. You've then got some appearances on radio. And there's a guy called Terry Spencer, who's a, a British photojournalist, former World War II Spitfire pilot, fascinating character, was working for Life magazine. He followed the Beatles for about three months in 64. He did a massive feature in Life magazine the week before the Ed Sullivan show. Wow. The Beatles are coming, this big feature on them. Yeah. So you've got all of these things leading up that this fervor had gone mad. I want to hold your hand hits number one. Mm -hmm. So then the whole of America basically is watching the Ed Sullivan show. Now, it was the show that everybody watched as, as a yeah, family yeah. show. But 73 million people tune in that's, to see that's the Beatles. insane numbers. It, it's nuts, isn't it? It's absolutely nuts. You, you can't comprehend it's funny, it. It's, it's funny, though, because it, it feels like, <laughs> from what we've been talking about this <clears throat> evening, the Beatles are subject to that they are geniuses, mm -hmm. no doubt, but they're subject to right place, right time. Oh yeah! Every, all the dominoes sort of line up perfectly for them. Like there's some ethereal being saying, "Yes, yes, we put these where they need to be, and that will be what what you become." Well, the way it I describe it is so fascinating it, to hear these. Yeah, no. If, if you've written it down as a work of fiction, nobody would believe you. Mm. No. Yeah, exactly. Ex exactly that. That's the, a very, very good way of putting it. It's just, um, it's unique yeah. time in history. It is, it, it, totally. It's crazy, uh, advantageous to them and, and, and fair play. Yeah. So your yeah. second question yeah. is? Go on, I've, I've remembered. remembered. <laughs> I've Good remembered man. it. Wait, I've, I've, got it, I've got it actually written down here. <laughs> you, you've mentioned George Martin. Now, this leads to my question of, because of all these things throughout their career that have teed up so well, and, and I, I wonder if you're going to second-guess this question, who is that fifth Beatle then? That elusive fifth Beatle? It's me. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> because you've mentioned George Martin, but you've got Brian Epstein, who 
uh, Epstein, Epstein, who who discovered them in that in that first stage, that that first part of their chrysalis, and when he passed, they were distraught. I oh, mean, yeah. he was such an integral part of of their growth as a band. Yeah. But you've got George Martin there, who is undoubtedly uh, the 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 major marionette of the whole thing. He he just is he he's fantastic. Um, and it's a shame he got ousted from Let It Be. <laughs> we'll let that one go. <laughs> um, but is it him or is it Billy Preston who came in in the very last stages of the Beatles incarnation to to be this ethereal force in in their artistic ending, so to speak? Or is it Stuart Sutcliffe? I mean, I'm interested. Or is it Stuart Sutcliffe? <clears throat> Is it Pete Best? I mean, Pete Best was got rid of and Ringo was brought in the last minute when they got into Abbey Road, you know. And even then, Ringo Starr turns up to the recording and, and George Martin's got a drummer in to replace him at the first stage. <laughs> you know, is it, who, who is, who, yeah. So I, I digress slightly, but who, in your opinion, I'd be, I'd be, I'd love to hear who you think is that, that ethereal fifth Beatle. So what about Neil Aspinall? Rody from the oh, from 1961, <laughs> who stays with them and ends up running Apple. Yeah. Mal Evans. Oh god. Against it. Yeah. So I, the, the the list is endless. It is. That's the thing. The list is endless. So therefore, I, I rephrase the question. You say, if you want the oh. if you want the fifth Beatle, that is really open ended. What you're actually want is the fifth Fab Four. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, I yeah, that, that's that, actually yeah. what you're looking for is you're looking at yeah. the group as a recording group in their years of fame yes yeah yeah so the fifth and four therefore it has to be George Martin yeah. because yeah. he was an integral member almost of the group you know he wasn't an engineer he didn't sit there moving the faders and twiddling the knobs and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that wasn't his skill at all he was a musician so he would be there in the studio from the very, very beginning, you know, and they, they come up with, please, please me. Very, very orbs and quite slow. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, yeah I, I sort of like it, but if it's going to work, you have to speed it up. You know, the help, got you've got to do that right at the start. You know, you don't always have to start there. You can have a chorus at the beginning. You can have a middle eight, but make it a first eight. Mm-hmm. You can do this. You can do anything. He was right there. As well as musically, I mean, he contributed physically to so many of the songs, yeah. playing the, the piano, etc. You know, none of the the four could read or write music. So if, the, if I, you wanted orchestra, there, no, Ellen, yeah. Ellen the Rigby wouldn't wouldn't exist without him. Yeah, because Ellen the Rigby and, the, and, she, yeah, and she's leaving home are the mm. two Beatles songs where none of the Beatles play musical instrument. Mm. It's. God, I'd totally forgotten about She's Leaving yeah. Home, of course. It, it's all, and that is, you know, the, the Beatles would go to George Martin and say, right, this is what I'm hearing. Like Paul was saying, Penny Lane. Mm. Oh, I've heard this piccolo trumpet. It's brilliant. Can yes. we come and have that in <laughs> Penny Lane? Fantastic. That story is absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And that's absolutely what they do. Brilliant. And they would just go to George Martin and say, right, this is what I think I'm hearing. Do it. You no, know, so like John says with Strawberry Fields Forever. They, they do a couple of really good versions at different tempos. John says, I like the beginning of that one and the yeah. rest of that one, stick them together. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's the beauty on the anthology albums is that you hear that progression of, of, yeah. of Strawberry Fields yeah. from a guitar plucked sort of Bob Dylan-y style yeah. song yeah. through to stitching together of all those elements yeah. to the end result. And you're like, my God, that's laborious, but wow. Yeah, and, and it's genius, because now you can do that on a computer. There wasn't such a thing back then. But then George Martin had a razor blade and tape. Oh, yeah. But then you had to, yeah. you know, you're sticking a pencil into tape, dragging it out yeah. of the machine. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they were playing so many loops that they had different studios with people just with pencils stuck out, yeah. playing things backwards yeah. and stuff. They were experimenting, and I think that, the genius of George Martin was, he said, there's no rules here. Let's yeah. just do something. You know, he, he wasn't... But they, reg- they regarded him as, as, as a school oh, yeah. teacher. Yeah. But I think that's the discipline they needed and, and, and the 
the the sort of orchestration excuse the pun yeah. to get them to where they needed to be because yeah. phil i'm going to step on your toes slightly with one question yeah, here that's that, okay. that you put on far away which was um yesterday is two minutes and four seconds of perfection how hard must it have been for mccartney to resist a full-blown seven minute orchestral tour de force i i would argue that comes down to george martin in the fact that he's like you've got this fantastic song here don't go overboard. Don't yeah. don't smother it in strings. Don't Phil Spector it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Which was the fault of Let Absolutely. It Be because if you listen to Let It Be Naked, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. Don't Phil Spector it. That's beautifully put. Yeah, and that's what George Martin would bring. He he had that ear and say, right, that's it. Don't touch it now. Yeah, that works. Don't don't yeah. mess with it. We've got it. Yeah. So so he's a, a musician and a visionary. Yeah. Absolutely, and because be, yeah. because the way that he helped the Beatles shape their sound became the default for music moving forward. Yeah, mm. absolutely, and yeah. It's, you know, the rule books out the window. It doesn't matter because yeah. up to yeah. that point they were just used to a and R guy. Right, I've got a singer or I've got a group. Mm. I'll go and yeah, find yeah, a songwriter, yeah. bring in a song, do that. Yeah, that was gone. Yeah, were they given that freedom though? by the fact that by sort of mid 60s they were a, they were a thing they were massive and then record companies just go meh do what you want <laughs> because then they came up with sergeant pepper so that brings me on to my next question as we've alluded to sergeant pepper would we have sergeant pepper if we didn't have the beach boys pet sounds because of the rivalry between the two at that time, was there a prompt to escalate one to be better than the other? Oh, I think there was, definitely. But I think you take it back a little bit, is that every Beatles album is different to the one before it. Yeah. All the time, they were never satisfied with saying, right, we found what's popular. Let's just stick with this formula. Which most bands tend to do, you know, with the Stones have had a long career. They they like the the rhythm and blues, that was it, and they've stuck within that. You can't pigeonhole the Beatles into any particular genre because they probably got a song for virtually every genre there is, <laughs> yeah. haven't they? Yeah. So, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. each each one was a progression on the one before it. You've got to take into account the fact they stopped touring as well at the end of August '66. Yeah. They're off doing a few solo projects as well. So when John starts writing Strawberry Fields Forever, he's in Spain filming How I Won the War. He's got some spare time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I um, yeah. So there's lots of different factors. And one is that Paul has started writing Penny Lane after John has started working on um, In My Life. Now, the original draft of In My Life is a list of the places John remembered. His first one being Penny Lane is what I'm missing. Yeah. And he talks about the place you go on, on the bus, Church Road, the Picton Clock, the Abbey Cinema, the Dutch Cafe, St. Columbus Youth Club. He made a list of the places he remembered. Couldn't make it work, scrapped it, reworked the song. That's what geniuses do. But it started a discussion with Paul. He was saying, should we start writing songs about our childhood in Liverpool? Mm. So Paul starts on Penny Lane. John starts on Strawberry Fields Forever. They then have the discussion, well, do we make an album about our childhood in Liverpool? That then gets foiled because they've not had a single out for ages and Brian says, we've got to put something out. Yeah. The only two songs that were ready were Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields Forever. So they get put out in Feb 67. And of course, certainly for the UK albums, if it came out as a single, it wouldn't appear on an album. So that idea disappeared of the, the Liverpool album. So they end up with the second best, which is Sergeant Pepper, which was okay. It did all right, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's good enough. And as you say, yeah. who, Past muster. who's the fifth Beatle? Just saying that Sergeant Pepper came out on my second birthday. That was my present from the Beatles. It was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so 
just, just, just saying. No, I reckon I'm the whole. Are you Mister Kite? <laughs> no, I didn't have any benefits back then. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. set up, oh. set up and delivered. <laughs> Ching, knock that, knock that. What's great? Mark. What's great about Sergeant Pepper and Penny Lane is that Sergeant uh, uh, Sergeant Pepper, Strawberry Fields, and Penny Lane is that Strawberry Fields is the A side. Penny Lane is a B side. No, it's not. It's double A side. Is it double it's, A? It's the only, it's the only oh. single that came as a double A side. I stand corrected. No, you sit corrected. Be in the Southern release. Yeah, might oh. be in the Southerners release that version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Della. That's why in the, in the uh, consolidated charts it didn't show as number one. Yeah, but because if you'd have taken That's the sales as Penny Lane and as Strawberry Fields Forever, yeah. it yeah. easily outsold the song that knocked oh, it off gosh, number one. What was number one instead of it? Oh, Engelbert. Oh, Engel- oh uh, please release <laughs> me. Yeah. Was it please, please release me? me? Let me go. Dear God. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it funny? Forever in my head will be the fast show. <laughs> oh, but, but the thing is, though, that if if somebody says to me, Penny Lane, I, I couldn't tell you what year it comes out because it's timeless. It's mm. that. It doesn't feel like a song that was written 50 years ago or five minutes ago. Strawberry Fields Forever is the same. It's it's so yeah. contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. But if you, if you say, please release me, let me go by Engelbert Humperdinck, yeah. you think, geez, that was decades ago. Years yeah. Ago, right? Yeah, but also God, I'm really Lane, old. I mean, to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> with Penny Lane, I, I think I think Jeff Lynne's got a lot to answer for with uh, a certain Sunshine song. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. Just, he, ELO, as John said, son of Beatles. Yeah, yes, son, yeah, yeah. It did basically when he became a producer and part of the traveling mm. traveling Wilburys. I mean, goodness me. Mm. Yeah. So which I mean, which yeah. band then, out of all of the bands that have been? influenced by the Beatles which one do you think has been the most influenced and succeeded or benefited the most by being influenced by the Beatles Metallica <laughs> modern modern time you probably have to say Oasis yeah it, yeah. it really based themselves on the Beatles very much um, so yeah yeah and done okay with it yeah, I would slightly challenge the Oasis one, actually, recently with the passing of uh, the late, great Burt Bacharach, because he, his image features on the front cover of Oasis's first album, right. and hearing Noel Gallagher come out and say that... Um, oh, good. Oh, God, I've forgotten the name of the song. It, it was oh, profound, right, obviously. This, yeah. Uh, oh, um, uh, stop singing. Um, nope. Yeah, it was that eventful. I couldn't remember it either. That's the one from it's the royal family. Get... Yeah, yeah it's the one from the, the royal, royal family, family is actually a Burt Bacharach song. And it is. You listen. Half a mile away. But that, but, but that yeah. is half a world away. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. That's Noel Gallagher trying to rewrite history. Yeah. There, there is no way that he's he, he may be able to say this one song I wrote references Burt Bacharach <laughs> and jump on the Burt Bacharach bandwagon. Yeah. Okay. But we can point at three or four albums worth of tracks which have been very heavily influenced by the Beatles. Uh, can, can you, you name one of the clubs in Manchester that the Beatles played? Um, the Oasis Club? <laughs> I was say, I didn't play the hacienda. <laughs> oh, really? Just but saying. I, th- I think. I yeah, think no, it, it's true. You, it's, could pin, you could pinpoint a, quite a lot of Britpop from the nineties, early noughties on the Beatles. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at Ocean Colour Scene. Yeah, they they wave the flag of Paul Weller, but there's a fantastic cover version of Day Tripper where Liam and Noel turn up on, ironically. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, I would say quite a bit of Britpop from that time lends mm. itself to the Beatles, yeah. the Kinks, Paul Weller, that that ilk, um, but all steeped in Beatles history. Yeah. 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 So, so what about bands that would have been their contemporaries? Did anybody make a... A sharp shift in their direction. So, I 
don't know. I don't want to say a band and then it, it not be them, but you know, Joe Bloggs and the Fireboys, they were doing skiffle rock, saw the Beatles and went, Whoa, we'll do that and copied them. You know, did, did anyone jump on the bandwagon? No, no but there's so many of those uh, stars of the 60s started, started in skiffle. There's as a, yeah. a wonderful uh, TV clip, um, and it's from, must be like 58, 59, something like that. Yeah. And they got two lads come on, and they sing a skiffle song. And they talk yeah. to them afterwards and say, how old are you? I think they're both age 15. Yeah. And said to one of the lads, so do you want to be a professional musician? And he said, no, mm-hmm. I want to do biological research. Okay, what's your name? Mm-hmm. James Page. <laughs> now you could argue there was a lot of biological research going on <laughs> with groups like uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but so many of those groups in the sixties started in skiffle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and as session musicians, you know, Jimmy Page, yeah. one of the busiest session guitarists going. Yeah, totally. Uh, totally. Clem Catini, who could have been Led Zeppelin's drummer, session. Session yeah. drummer, John Paul Jones, session yeah. bassist. Yeah. So there's yeah. there's a lot of these musicians who were in and about, but lots of them, once the Beatles have made the thing that they they did was, and probably any artist who's come after that, who's a singer songwriter, on a group who's who sing and write their own songs, has to thank them yeah. Yeah. and George Martin yeah. for for let them do that because it opened the door. Mm. Instead of just having to be performers who'd sing some songwriter's song, they could actually do yeah. what they wanted to do. So everything that's come after that, it, it's, it changed everything in, in the whole pop world. Yeah. In, in which case, a slight tenuous link here. <laughs> but do you feel that and this is a subjective question as well. Do you feel that the resurgence of the Beatles circa the Let It Be documentary on Disney Plus um, is going to lead to a new generation of those that are influenced by that and that want to become songwriters, performers of their own ilk, that, that we're going to see... I, I really hope we do, but we, we'll see another canon of of gifted artists, musicians, and writers of that ilk. Well, I I think it's one thing you could say if you look at the charts from sixty three onwards. Mm. The one constant that you've got in the charts, no matter what fads come and go, whether yeah. it be punk, you know, mod, rockabilly revival, mm-hmm. disco. The yeah. constant yeah. all the way through the guitar-based bands, it's all a, the yeah. way through. Now it doesn't mean yeah. they're always in the charts, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think sometimes we, we use that as as the tester. Whereas mm-hmm. there's always been guitar-based bands, singer-songwriters, who are yeah. keeping the music industry going, and that that will continue to be the constant. And I think the more of these biopics that come out about these bands that worked hard, who learnt their craft through thousands of hours, you know, in little clubs and stuff. I think that's what inspires. And you, you notice every now and again that there's whatever Beatles film or project comes out, there's a resurgence, particularly now in the download era. You know, when Eight Days a Week came out, you know, there's a big resurgence in it. Then the film Yesterday comes out. No, yeah. which which again was absolute genius. You know, it was, it was a good film, but that brought the Beatles music to another generation. So some of the best-selling songs of that year were Beatles songs because they're getting downloaded in their millions. So yeah. then you get the Get Back documentary, and it happens again, and they will keep yeah. being projects like that because each generation is discovering, thinking that music's great. I didn't think it would be, yeah. but it's great now. I get it. You know, and one of the joys of, as well as being north of being a tour guide as well, I see people of all ages. And, the tour, and quite often we're getting teenagers who are bringing their parents. Because the teenagers who are the Beatles fans, who are yeah. dragging the parents along to do the tour. Fantastic. So, Actually, saying that, saying that when, when I went to see I 
I I binge watched the Let It Be documentary on Disney Plus yeah. just because <laughs> I had to. But I I paid to go to the cinema to watch the um, IMAX version, although I didn't see an IMAX version of the rooftop performance. There weren't many people there, I'm not going to lie, but there was a a, a teenager there that brought his parents. Yeah. Because they were sat, the parents were the ones sat there acting like, I really don't want to watch this. And he's like, You've got to watch this. You've got to watch this. And I'm like, I applaud you, my son. I applaud you. And that's fantastic. What I hope is that someone, some young musician has watched that documentary and seen Paul McCartney with his bass going, and was writing Get Back in a few minutes from just nothing. And they sit there and they think, I do that. Mm. Does that mean I can get to to that level? Yeah. may not be but go for it because yeah. you've got to that that that's what's fantastic and that is music that's what music's about just mm-hmm. taking the seed of something and growing it into a tree and again it's whatever you set your level of contentment now me with mm-hmm. my first book my level of contentment was seen on the shelf at waterstones yeah that i'd i'd achieved everything i wanted at that point if it didn't sell many copies i wasn't bothered I had a book on the shelf at Waterstones. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, it's a hell of an achievement. Now, after that, that you know, I've, really I've authored and co-authored eight books. You know, we've done a documentary, Looking for Lennon, all about John's early life, yeah. which will be yeah. the go-to one if you want to learn about John Lennon's life. Now working on another one, say about the Beatles in Hamburg. I'm doing all yeah. these projects. All of that is bonus. That's fantastic. And that's it's, amazing. So it, it's like with, with music. What is your level of contentment? And for a lot of people as a musician, having access to YouTube and something like that, if they can record their music and put it out there for people to enjoy and maybe go and play a few live gigs, Mm -hmm. if that's their level of contentment, brilliant, because there will always be that need and there will always be lots of people who don't make it beyond that. Yeah, totally. Uh, So it depends on, on your contentment level. And some people don't mm. want the life of a full-time musician because it's not great. Yeah. I'm too old for it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but Definitely. it's it's exactly that. I've been there. I've I've performed it. I've written it. I've got it on streaming channels. I'm happy. Yeah. I've made three pounds and four pence. I'm happy. And that's three pounds and four pence in about 18 years. So <laughs> I can't retire. No, no. Hey, look, I don't write books to make money. Trust me. No, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's the same with what I do. We do it for love. We do it for passion. Exactly. We do it for interest. Yeah. We do it for, 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 yeah, whatever reasons we have. Yeah, and everybody should have their contentment um, level. It's like you say with money, you know, what is your level yeah. of financial freedom for some people? Yeah. Unless they're a multimillionaire, they will never be happy. And the chances are yeah. they will never get to that, so they will never be happy. Well, yeah. you decide on Very what true. is your level of financial freedom that you want to be comfortable with. Yeah. Anything artistically, what is the level of your contentment? If if you achieve that, brilliant. You know, you, you look back to the story of John Lennon and when he gets to 65 and he writes the song Help, and most people completely yes. missed the point with Help. <laughs> Exactly. It's, you know, it's this fast, poppy pop song. It's a cry for absolute cry for help. Cry for help me help. if you can. I'm feeling down. Yeah. As he's singing, smiling away. So at the end of our, our Lennon film, I said, "I want somebody playing that the way John would have started it." And we had mm-hmm. one lad with the guitar singing it almost like in a bluesy style. Oh, oh and you can so hear amazing. the pain. And yeah. he said, "I was crying for help, and nobody was listening." He had all the money he wanted, all the women he wanted, all the fame he wanted, no contentment. Yeah. And that's why, coming back in a way to Strawberry Fields Forever, mm. I think that's why he wrote that. Because yeah. he was going back to a time when he was 13 years old, playing with his mates in the grounds of Strawberry Field. His father figure, Uncle George, was still alive. His mum was still alive. Stuart was still alive. There was no Beatles, mm. none of that manic looniness. Yeah. He was truly happy. 
that's what he wanted. He wanted that feeling to last forever. That's what he was going back to yeah. for Strawberry Fields. And he knew that he'd, he'd lost that. And he wanted mm. somehow to get back to the grounds of Strawberry Field being 13 and being happy again. It, it, you've mentioned Lennon a lot, which brings me to another question, which is, do you, from your knowledge and experience, do you see the Beatles as a Lennon or a McCartney band? Neither. I, th- I think the thing that John got right from the very beginning, that when he first invited Paul to join the Quarrymen in 57, John didn't have an ego because for him, all that mattered was the music. They were never going to go further than they were. They were a skiffle group, a group of friends having a laugh. He wants to do rock and roll. Paul comes along. He's a guy who can do it. Paul invites him. John invites Paul to join. When they become a rock and roll group in 60, and everybody said, what are you going to call yourselves? And said, so we've got this name, the Beatles. That's stupid. You've got to be Long John and the Silver Beatles. You've got to be you and the yeah, somethings. Yeah. Nobody could ever persuade John to change that. He never wanted that. It was always about the group. It was always about the music. It was never about his ego. Yeah. Now, there's a power play because it was John's group to start with. Mm. I think you see the shift through the mid-60s towards Paul, because Paul lent more towards pop music. John was the rocker, and they were drifting away from that. You then see the massive shift when Brian dies in the summer of 67. They got no manager. They always said they wouldn't have anybody apart from Brian. Paul is the one who tries to keep them together. He then becomes part manager. Mm. So his project's a magical mystery tour. His project is Let It Be. He's trying to find ways to keep the group together. So the power has shifted. And by that time, John was starting to say, ah, I can't be bothered anymore. He was drifting off to his thing and the group is disintegrating. So I don't think it was ever set up as John's or Paul's. But I think that's naturally how it went. But the, the good thing about John is that there was never that ego to say, I'm the leader. I'm the boss. And that's the question we asked everybody we interviewed for our Lennon film. Did John set out and say, I'm the leader? And they said, no. That was never the case within the Quarrymen. said, everybody had their role. John had his role. Of course, he was the guy with the one microphone. He was sort of the leader, but it was the Quarrymen. It wasn't John and the Quarrymen. And the Quarrymen. It was the Quarrymen. It was the Beatles. It was never about him. And that, I think, is a bit that a lot of people overlook with John, but he never had that ego like that. All that mattered to him was the music Hmm. and what was the best way with the best people to make the best music. Yeah, it it does hark back to a... I don't know that it feels like a little bit of naivety to it, not in a, not in a negative mm. way. If you can have a positive naivety, you know that that innocence, yeah. that you know the 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 record corporation, the the record monster, mm-hmm. you know, the, ha- hasn't quite woken up yet. The Beatles are the catalyst, and the the Stones and the the Who and all those big bands that they're the catalyst that that creates the monster. But there's somebody there as as innocent and as as generous with his with his art as John Lennon saying it's just about the music, you know. Somebody like that nowadays would be devoured. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. as John said, look, yeah. we were just a band. We made it very, very big. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Yeah. That's how he yeah. saw it. I, it's interesting you say that, Phil, because I think that harks back to one of our previous episodes. I think that sadly is what the Twenty Seven Club is. Mm. If you look at Kurt Cobain, I, I. I would believe from what I've read and the biographies and what have you that I've read, his life was taken because he could not comprehend what they had become. Mm. Um, So there there is that, that level of 
I want to do music and I want to do it for music's sake. I enjoy yeah. doing it. I love doing it. But when the machine kicks in, mm. game over for yeah. some, unfortunately. It's like with, with Pink I, Floyd, like, doesn't it? Oh, welcome to the machine. You know, yeah, I, I, gosh, as yeah, the exactly. Pink Floyd are disintegrating, exactly. they, they were doing the music they wanted to do. They'd achieved this and thought, how do we top this? Where do we go from yeah. here? And there's the demand I'm, I'm, on them from the record company saying, we've got to get more music out, more music out, more music. And yeah. it eats yourself. And it's just mm. uh, not nice. I mean, that 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 was the, that's a very critical follow-up to one of the biggest albums of all time. Um, how do we top, <laughs> you know, Pink Floyd's biggest album. Yeah, Dark Side of the Moon was oh, just we'll release genius. This, we'll, yeah, we'll release this sort of anti-album in a way. But then it has two of the greatest songs of all time, in my opinion, which is Shine On Your Crazy Diamond and, and Wish You Were Here. here. Oh, genius. Absolute <laughs> genius. Just absolute genius. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a funny one. So, yeah, I, I, I sort of think that there is part of the machine that kills the artistic in, and kills the artist. endeavour of some. Yeah. yeah. Because it's, it's so, the whole thing with the, the goose that lays the golden egg, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they just want to keep yeah. overproducing, and yeah. they make they burn them out, and they wonder why they oh, can't. This respond. makes money. Yeah, I want more. Give me more. Yeah, David, I've got a very oversimplistic question <laughs> for you now. Okay, uh, and everybody that loves a band gets asked this question, and there's net. Well, for, mm, I consider myself to be an exception to the rule because I, I am dead fast on my answer to this. What's your favourite Beatles song? Oh my god! Oh, I get asked all the time because <clears throat> yeah. every, every tour that we do, the people who are with us we always ask them favorite album, and you can name your, yeah. your top three yeah. Beatles songs. Um, yeah. My my favorite one will always be A Day in the Life, which I think is just an absolute work of genius, absolute work yeah. of genius. And again, that is bits of two songs yes. which they threw together. That should not work, yeah. and yet it does. Yeah, and that's again with our fifth beetle thrown in there, yeah. with with the arrangement of making that work, and it's just, it's just absolute genius, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's the most infamous chord in musical yeah. history, I think. <laughs> yeah. Eighteen fingers at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so go, what, what's your then, Phil? Um, my Beatles one. I, I don't know enough, honestly. It's it's a funny thing about me and the Beatles. I I, I, I would go for oh, I don't know. I'd mostly go for something like yesterday because I just love the the feel of it. I, I just love the 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 melancholy, the fact that you can sit in that. That there's not many songs for me that allow you to wrap yourself up in it like a little capsule yeah. and just exist. Have have those feelings and just exist in that song. And then you can leave those feelings in that song. And then if you need to go and revisit them, you can go and put the song back on and listen to it again. And then go, yeah, but I did miss something then, or I did lose something then. And you can just do that with yesterday. Um, my my music tends to be a little bit more, um, yeah, less forgiving than yesterday. My, my music is more, you know... If, up in, up front, uh, but I'd, I'd say yes. There, I think it's a fantastic yeah. song. Go on, Dan. Yeah, what are you going with? Yeah. I'm I'm gonna caveat this. I I need to go twofold. I'm afraid. I hear this I'm all the very time. Very sorry oh, for doing so. I've got twenty three in my top two. Yeah, go on. No, no. I've I've got a joint first for differing reasons. Okay. I have here comes the sun Brilliant. because I have. An eternal memory is that I have managed to get my kids into the Beatles. Well, I'm so happy. <laughs> um, but there's one moment where I was with my youngest and she was in the front seat of the car and we're driving off to do something very, very mundane. And I put that on and she, she started singing along. Oh. Word by word, she knew it. And she's just looking out the window and just happily singing along brilliant mm -hmm. and and she looked at me and went am i doing it right and i'm like no, no, no it's a it's, <laughs> I, 
my brain imploded. I didn't know how to answer because it's just an amazing. That is an amazing moment, yeah. And, yeah. and that's one of my all-time favourite songs. Yeah. From a, a, a musical point of view, Blackbird. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I absolutely adore playing that on the guitar. I haven't mastered and it yet. It, <laughs> oh, it 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 it's something to play. Yeah. It really is. Um, but to me, it's just a perfect song. Yeah. Yeah. It's a perfect song. It's short, sweet. My my eldest daughter hates it because of the mm-hmm. of the foot. She hates it. <laughs> um, but there's something quite sedentary of that. But yeah. I I just think that's an absolutely perfect song yeah. in my opinion yeah. so yeah that's why i've got a two a two hitter on that i'm afraid that's it we, we could go down the list and there's very few songs you can say oh. Oh, i don't like that my thing yeah. as a perfect yeah. song i think here there and everywhere mm. i mean you look you look at that for oh, the God. way that is constructed Amazing. and it, it all yeah. gets pulled oh. together just at the end like yeah. that yeah i agree wow. completely yeah. agree for exactly those yeah. reasons yeah. That that is a perfect yeah. song. That really yeah. is. It's so well put together. Yeah. yeah, and that's what they were able but to then, do. Yeah, but then that's a McCartney one, so it leads me back to my original. Oh, no, don't be doing that again. <laughs> it's a circle. Yeah, go on, come together. Come. <laughs> yeah. oh. Well done. Well done. That is a fantastic song. <laughs> See, and you, and you, get, you can just reel them you off. Gonna, you're gonna do that. You're just gonna do that all night. Yeah. Every time you mention a song, you can go, oh, that's a good yeah, song. Yeah, exactly. Oh, 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 yeah. I, I remember. I remember that one when my auntie made yeah, yeah. uh, it. Yes. You, you broke a cone in a shepherd's pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, I think I think now is a really good point to, to actually just pause and, and say, David, thank you very, very, very yeah, much. Pleasure. It's, it's, been, it's been absolutely amazing to, to have you as our first guest but to have somebody with such passion um not only for our great city um but for the music that has that has well it's 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 supported the city it's it's raised you it's raised millions of people around the world um give us your, do you want to give us your socials do you want to give us your your website addresses uh, yeah um, i mean easy things to do if you go to uh, davidabedford.com and there's okay. links to everywhere so you'll find the youtube channel um yeah and links to, to my books everything like that it's it's all on there so just davidabedford.com easy and uh, i blog and do all kinds of stuff so yeah great okay that was two grumps talking about music Lots of really good music. A little, little bad music. That was two grumps talking. They're gonna do some more talking. They're gonna talk about film. Maybe some TV too. Yeah. So that was a thoroughly interesting interview. Um, and I hope you all found it of as much interest as we did. I must say, from my personal perspective, I geeked out like a nerd <laughs> geeks out, like something rotten. It was absolutely amazing, and uh, I think that came across more for me in, in that episode than it did in the last because I think, personal disclosure, I think in the first one I was a little bit, <laughs> dumbfounded by it all it was just amazing and then i suddenly got my gusto and went i've got all these questions and yeah, uh, I, I feel I, well and truly educated which is really nice and i think yes, the, it, yeah yeah I, I just really enjoyed his you know the, the way he came across really really excited and, and i think it's uh it's no secret that we'll be having david back at some point very soon i i really look forward to that again yeah me too and following on from that podcast, we're going to put a Spotify playlist up of Phil's and my favourite Beatles songs. I think that might be quite an epic list when I get my hands onto <laughs> it. But um, yeah, it, it's just to share with everyone our love of the Beatles, some of which we've yeah. discussed in the podcast as well. So from music to the wild and wacky world of film and television. Phil, please enlighten us what you have been watching this week. 
Oh, this is this is quite a hard one. This. Um, so I watched the whale, which has got Brendan Fraser in it, and is receiving all of the uh, acting accolades and you know rumours of best picture and. and it's it's a difficult film to review because people feel quite strongly about it. It's it's one that people are raving about, and what I don't want to do is be too disparaging about it. It's kind of like a. It was okay. I felt you're as being a, that guy. You're being that guy. I, I, I'm trying to be as honest as I can. I watched it, and I watched it with a with a very very open mind. Um. Because every couple of years, one actor becomes the uh, the soup du jour, don't they? You know, they they become incredibly popular in everything they do, and particularly if they've been away for a little while, and they've been kind of like away from you know slightly off center. They've they've not had many big parts, and yeah. And I was just thinking to myself, is is it Brendan Fraser's year to be that actor that's going to get? everything thrown at them and he's good in it but his character is so unlikable <laughs> it's as, as the film progresses and I'll, I'll try not to spoil anything i'll try to be as cryptic as possible as as the film progresses his true his true nature his, his true character shines through and it's very very difficult to like him you know it's you, you can feel empathy for the situation that he's in but when you find out why he's in that situation that empathy quickly evaporates um there's a there's a few minutes towards the end of the film where he where his acting is outstanding and and the actor disappears and it's just the character left there and that, and that is really that's really fine acting um i think sadie sink the uh, one of the young girls out of stranger things who plays his daughter. I think she's really, really good. She plays very much against type. So, you know, it's it's not what you expect. But overall, yeah, it's a small set, obviously, because he's, he's confined to a house. I like the way they've done that. Although I think the actual set should have been smaller because it's quite a big house. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really give you that sense of of claustrophobia that you'd expect from somebody who who has chosen to you know lock themselves away from life. Um, typical Darren Aronofsky. I can never say his name properly. Sorry, Darren. Um, there's going to be a few left field moments in there. I think go and watch it. Enjoy the parts of it you can, but it's not best picture material for me. Um, it's mostly a two and a half second screens. Um, the running time's about right, so you know you're not going to get too uh, too impatient waiting for the mm. the story to finish. Um, but I'd, I'd be I would be absolutely gobsmacked if it wins best best picture Oscar. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and if Brendan Fraser wins the best actor Oscar, um, I just. I just don't feel it's justified. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's in, it's interesting because it is the the set one you bring up is because it's it's a adaptation of a play. Mm, yeah. So you've got that that one set. Yeah. Um, kind of setup. Yeah. Um, so that I I'm intrigued. I really want to see this, and I just mm. sadly haven't had the chance yet. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't say don't see it, mm. but I would say go and see it and not try not to read too many reviews because mm. the reviews are going to spoil it. They always do. You know, it, it's, it's subjective at best, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I, with hindsight, you, you can say, well, I'll, you know, maybe change this, change that. So, uh, yeah, good, but not brilliant. Mm. Yeah. I, I will say I'm quite enjoying the, I'm going to bring a term up that we we chatted about off air. Fraser uh, naissance. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that we're having at the moment because, as you as you as you mentioned, he he went missing for quite a while. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But this 
love that he's receiving and his humbleness for it mm. is is overwhelming to see it's, it's beautiful um but i yeah. listened to him on the um smartless podcast being mm. interviewed yeah <clears throat> and it's a really good interview but just his whole blase attitude towards it all it's it's here now if it's gone tomorrow mm. it's gone um if yeah. i'm going to be offered stuff now i they asked him, what do you want to get stuck into? And he goes, I, I, I want a big franchise again. Yeah. If they asked me to do The Mummy again, I would be there in a mm. shot. He absolutely loved his time on that, yeah. in that interview. Mm. Um, I think I think too much water. I think a tsunami has gone under a bridge before <laughs> he could go back to The Mummy. But Well, it, does, it doesn't exist anymore, does it? You know, the, the, no, um... Tom Cruise saw to that. Well, it wasn't Tom Cruise. It was Universal's Dark Universe, wasn't it, where they had this idea of resurrecting the old Universal monster trope, mm. you know, Dracula, werewolf, mummy, um, and completely screwed the pooch. You know, the, mm. the, it's like the DCEU now. You know, that's that's it's basically going to cheat by using the Flash as time travel to reset everything so that they can cast new actors. And, oh, it's just crazy. Oh, good Lord. Really? I, I've missed that one. Oh, it's it's madness. It's, it's one to stay away from. It really is. Um, is that is that how... Um, genuine question here. Is that how Michael Keaton's come back as Batman? Well, nobody's seen the Flash movie yet because I don't think it's out till July. Um, no, but the trailer's come out and there's Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Ben and Affleck. Batman. Ben Affleck's in the trailer as well. What? Yeah, so you've got... I, th I think what what they're We're saying into the Spider Verse. <laughs> well, yeah, everything is multiverse now. So if you look at Marvel, that's got multiverse through Doctor Strange. And you look at the DCEU, they're going multiverse through Flash. So that that will allow them to have multiple Batmans, Batthems, Batmen, um, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, um, don't do signs like that. It's not nice. And that will then allow them to pick a universe that they're going to settle in where the Henry Cavill Superman doesn't exist, where the Ben Affleck Batman doesn't exist, where the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman doesn't exist. Excuse the silence. That, that gigantic pause was because I'm actually speechless. I just... Is that what we have become? Well, it's the thing with franchises, isn't it? You know, if you look at Marvel, we've already talked about how how unmarvelous Marvel has become. Um, the the box office for Ant Man and the Wasp, hyphen Quantumania, uh, has been atrocious. You know, you, you look at the the reports of special effects coming out from that film, and they are embarrassing, and that's because. Marvel are trying to churn through things at such such a rate, you know, because actors age, you know. Yeah. So somebody who is um, Paul Paul Rudd doesn't. Oh, Paul Rudd doesn't because Paul Rudd's got some kind of uh, god gene in him somewhere. Or but, he's got a painting in an attic, getting older oh, and older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't look at behind the curtain. Um, it, it's really weird because actors age, but they don't want to age because that then screws up the what the the studio's timeline is for the story so it, it's it's effectively cheating you know if you go back to star trek the the films that they released and then spock died because leonard nimoy wanted out of the franchise and there he is he dies he dies on the screen with william shatner very touching the next film all of a sudden there's this thing called the genesis probe which can feed life into a planet well, I wonder if it can feed life into a body. And Spock's back. You know, this is the, the kind of cheating we've had in films forever. But I think this, the thing with the, the DCEU is that they're taking cheating to a point where they're raising the middle finger to the fans. Yes. Yeah, um, to the point where, you know, people were very happy, wanted to see more of Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they've gone, nah. We want something which because it's, it's James Gunn now is in charge of that. Mm -hmm. We want something that resembles the Marvel mm -hmm. extended universe and the profitability and the success 
we want that mirroring as well. You know, they're, they're even talking now about Robert Downey Jr. coming back as Iron Man. And you're like, For the love hey, of God. Hey, you know, but it just proves that you're never truly dead in Hollywood. You know, they, they can always find a way of well, magically getting it back in. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's that's where um, where that leaves us. So that's TV and show from me. Um, something quite unusual here. We're going to hand over to Dan for some TV from Dan. So away you go, sir. Yeah, I've, I've actually had time. Time? What is time? this concept of which you speak? Dear God. Time? Anyway. Um, <clears throat> let's so not over been... that one, by the way. Let's just, <laughs> let, let's just do it. Keep the joke confined. Maybe the constant <laughs> listener will find it funny I... and then move on. You know, I did go a bit, you shall not pass. <sighs> you keep yep. hammering you keep hammering that joke, mate. Okay. Oh, I will do. Oh, yeah. I will. I will have my time in the sun. <laughs> uh, take your meds, mate, please. Anyway, <clears throat> I have had some time to watch a program on BBC iPlayer. It's an HBO Max show called our flag means death now this has been out for a while i'm a bit late so this is a late review i've still got a couple of episodes to go but for something that i took a punt on yeah episode one yeah this is quite good episode two no it's all right but then something happened and it just started engaging me more and more and more it's produced by taika watiti okay who produces just about everything and anything these days, yeah. um, especially if it's got Disney or Marvel on it. Um, or his missus. Or his missus, yes. Um, or, or, yeah, anyway, videos with, what's this, with Mr. Bond. Um, but this one is a show about pirates, but it's a, the, the lead character is a man of gentry, shall we say. So okay. he's, in, he's sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. And he comes out as the gentleman pirate. He just decides okay. one day to build a boat and go to sea. And he's got a crew. Yeah. And then he meets Blackbeard, who's played by Taika Waititi. Okay. But the story, the humor's dry. Yeah. Um, the cast, watch it and you'll recognize pretty much everybody in it. Um, it's just genuinely grab me and I, I can't put a finger on why yeah, yeah yeah but i would recommend it to people that like a bit of a black comedy yeah. um maybe in a historical setting i would say those that like the the bbc show ghosts for example mm, might yeah, find yeah, this yeah. quite quite yeah. fun yeah. um but the it, it's the, there's dramatic elements to it as well which are actually done really well mm-hmm. so you've got the comedy the 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 sort of bravado of all that but then mm. you've got these little moments these little pockets of of narrative and, and story development that that have kept me going with it really so i oh, yeah fantastic. late review i don't i haven't read much up about it because i don't want that to ruin the enjoyment i've had of it and so, i think that's a very wise thing to do particularly if you, if you come into something after the event Yes, exactly. Yeah, social exactly. media has a way of destroying uh, oh. surprises. Yeah, God, doesn't it ever? Yeah. Um, and the second one from me is is as a musician, I was immediately made aware of this program and wanted to watch it, and I think it's it, it it's a must watch in my opinion. Okay. Channel Four uh, in the UK, a show called The Piano. Mm-hmm. and they go around the country and they set up a piano in train stations because over here we do have them at the moment. <clears throat> so, for example, <laughs> if you go to certain London stations, there are pianos set up and you can just sit down and play them. But no trains. So, but no trains. But no trains, no, yeah. No, no, we, we run on buses in this country. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but they get just random members of the public who have obviously applied, etc. Yeah, and they do a bit yeah. of a filtering process. And they come in and they play what they think is just to play for this show, this program. Okay. okay. But they're they're secretly judged by Mika. Yes, Mika. Remember oh, him? Right, yeah. I, yeah, I do. Uh, about ten years ago, maybe a yeah. little bit. But very big artist abroad, and the great Lang Lang. And 
<clears throat> they are look at these members of the public and they have to whittle it down to one from each city that they go around the UK gets to perform at a special concert at the Royal Albert Hall. Okay. Um, and I have to say that the talent that they get on that, who are just Joe Public, is mm. is astounding. Right. It is absolutely astounding. It, it's all varieties of piano music. They've hinged it on piano because that's an instrument that that anyone can go and play, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. It, it's sort of a level playing field of an instrument, if you like. So they've got people that come and they'll do a song and sing along to it. Um, or they've got people that do classical. They've got people that do rock. It, it's yeah. it's just a, a free for all, and it's amazing to see all these things. But some of the people they have on, I mean, wow, just wow. These these people are out there and 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 are playing piano to this to this level. And, and by that, I mean the emotion in it. Some of them yeah. are playing their own pieces that they've composed. One chap plays and actually raps over it, which you think uh -huh. that's not going to work. It really, really worked. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, and then they've got the the girl in the clip that I've shared with you, Phil, and yeah, and, and whatnot, yeah, just, who's yeah. who's blind and 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 more beautifully and talented, amazing technique. Hands up! I bawled my eyes out. It it, it the emotion that she played mm. with was it just yeah. it's yeah. on another level, absolutely on another level. It was it was beautiful beyond words. I wouldn't put a label on how many screens as we normally do i would put this on the number of times i i i cried okay which was a couple um i i probably didn't see much of 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 one part of an episode but it was it it's a really great premise it's lovely to see a um talent show that isn't X Factor or Pop Idol. <laughs> yeah. That's going back. That is ripping into people and is yeah. is just not pleasant. Mm. And it, it presented by Claudia Winkleman, who brings that little bit of fun and and humour to it, which is mm. and she's engaging with people, which is lovely yeah, to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. It's genuinely nice. These people, yeah, they have a backstory, and some of them are, are really emotional. Mm. Most of them are, but they're there for good reasons, and it's why okay. they took up music. Um, and it, and it adds that level of emotion and yeah. emotive response to it. So I would thoroughly recommend it. Um, and you'll just hear some absolutely fantastic music in, in the process. Well, thanks for that, Dan. Um, yeah, touching, moving, uh, really nice, uplifting TV. Um, I think it's time for you to take us home, though. So off you go. So please, take me home, Country Road. Oh. Take me home. It's been another wonderful journey in the wacky world of music, film and television from one grump or two. So from tonight to the next one, I say au revoir, adieu, goodbye, alvidezen. That was terribly complicated. I'll just say thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to like and share. Um, see you next time. Bye. Bye. This has been a One Grump or Two podcast production. Thanks for listening.